Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on guys? Welcome back to another episode of Dime Dropper for our 2022 playoff postgame recaps conference finals. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. For tonight's episode, I did not go live last night, so I will be talking both games, the Warriors-Mavs game one and then the Heat-Celtics game two. We're going to start it out with the Mavs and the Warriors. So my prediction was Warriors in seven. And I was just interested to see how the Warriors defended Luka because it's always going to be a dilemma. You're always going to have to give something up in some way, shape, or form when guarding him in pick and roll. And then I was interested to see how aggressive Steph Curry would be and if the Warrior offense would look any different in terms of taking care of the ball and you know limiting their turnovers. And in the first quarter, what really stood out, especially as the quarter closed, was the Warriors' defense. They were incredible all night long from quarter number one. 28-18 to 18 was the first quarter score after one in favor of Golden State. And a large reason for that was the defense of Andrew Wiggins. We've talked about it all season long. There's, you can't say enough about guys that are going to go out there and do a good job on the best part of the opposing team. And the Warriors' strategy was to switch Draymond, Clay, and Wiggins on to Luka, but Looney would be in drop coverage, sometimes late switches, though. He switched out of Luka a lot, and Kevon Looney, I thought, alongside Andrew Wiggins. Similar to, I remember exactly what game it was. I think it may have been Game 6 against the Grizzlies. Were just phenomenal. Or maybe it was Game 4. It was one of those two. But Andrew Wiggins and Kevon Looney, again, were really solid in their roles. Kevon Looney was very good defensively, well-timed help. He was strong. He had five rebounds, four assists, ten points. Anytime you can get Kevon Looney in double figures, that's huge for the Warriors. Just an added bonus. But I thought their defense was really good, and they were leading that charge. Alongside Draymond, who is always going to be good on defense in terms of communication, rotations, everything. And the Warriors were clamping up. Andrew, instead, when, and so where were you? The question is, who are, who's Luka going to put in pick and roll or in pick and pop? The guards, Steph Curry, Jordan Poole's of the world. And I thought that Steph and Jordan Poole did a pretty decent job of showing and recovering. They weren't going to let them get on an island with Luka like the Suns did with Chris Paul. They showed and recovered. The only problem with that is sometimes you can give up open threes, and those threes just weren't falling for the Mavs. They still got a lot of looks they usually make, and they just did not make them. Dorian Finney-Smith, one for three from three. Reggie Bullock got 10 attempts, made only three of them. 0 for five for Jalen Brunson from deep. Other than that, he was six for 11, so he was good inside the arc, but from three, he wasn't hitting. And then Luka shot a lot of threes. I've noticed one thing about Luka, too. He doesn't seem very comfortable shooting catch-and-shoot threes. He shot two of them in the first half last night. Both of them missed. And I don't know, maybe he's just not used to it. That's something he should get better at because I actually like when he's off the ball. It diversifies the offense. And he was three for 10 from deep. A lot of shots that he usually makes. But what I was really impressed by was in situations that the Warriors were showing and recovering, there were times where... Curry would show, but he would 
leave a little early before Wiggins had fully gone back in front of Luka, and Luka would try to go downhill, and Wiggins did such a great job of being in his rear view and making Luka afraid to go up with a shot. A couple times he passed last second when he probably should have gone up and gone through, gone up with it. But Andrew Wiggins, his length is so bothersome, and he just has been hustling on defense all season long. It's the reason why he made the All-Star team alongside a Korean pop star guy, uh, Warriors fan with a huge following pushing the agenda. But Andrew Wiggins, you know, you got to love defense first kind of players. And that's not what he came into the league as. That's not at all. But it's what he has evolved into. And you got to like the role if you're a Warriors fan for him. But the Mavs just couldn't really get anything going offensively all night. They were sticking around in the second quarter. The only reason why they were only down nine points after the first half was because Steph Curry and Klay Thompson hadn't gotten going. Curry was shooting a lot of threes that he usually makes, just wasn't making them. But Jordan Poole. And everyone else, I talked about Wiggins and Looney, but Jordan Poole came in and was looking like the Jordan Poole we saw more so against Denver as opposed to against Memphis. He was getting to the basket, had some really nice acrobatic finishes, right hand, reverse layups, Euro step, great footwork. And he was also able to knock down a couple three balls. Or only one three ball, I'm sorry, one for four. I knew it was only one. I don't know why I said that. I had to check the box score. But overall... I thought at halftime, you know, it, uh, if you're looking at it from a Warriors perspective, you would say defense is good. Lucas hasn't really gotten going at all. He slowed down as the game as the half went on. Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson are being kept in check decently. Nobody's going off too much. The other guys aren't making shots. But Steph Curry and Clay aren't getting, aren't uh, going yet. So if Steph gets going, we'll probably blow them out. If you're a Mavs fan, you were thinking we're in striking distance as long as Lucas starts playing better and we start making our threes, we'll get back in the game. And Steph Curry was the guy that. Reminded us why he was Steph Curry. Reminded us why the Warriors used to be third quarter. Third quarter Warriors was the mon- was the term that we labeled them because they would always turn up the gas in the third quarter and Steph Curry would lead that charge and that was no different in game uh, one. Steph Curry in the third quarter started making a couple threes, moving without the ball beautifully for them. Draymond Green finding him. There was even one floater runner he shot when he was being hand-checked, threw it up going to his left. It was spectacular and... You know how Steph Curry can change the momentum of games with his three-point shooting. He's been doing it for so long. He did exactly that. Warriors creating turnovers. Luka had seven turnovers. 13 turnovers for the Mavs as a team, which isn't insane, but seven of them coming from one player. you got to give credit to the defense. Luka's also got to be better. That was probably Luka's worst game that I can think of of the playoffs thus far this year. Uh, you got to give credit to the Warriors, man. They did such a great job defensively. You saw Otto Porter come in for 23 minutes. He had 10 points on 5 of 7 shooting. Was really solid as well. But the Warriors kind of rode the momentum home, and the Mavs couldn't get much going. The Mavs shot... And another thing with the Dallas Mavericks is they just kept shooting threes. I think you've got to pass up on some of those. And when Luka... When the Warriors are switching a lot, you got to slip some of those screens if you're the Mavs players. Not just wait to pick and pop or wait for Luka to isolate and kick it to you. Try to get something going off the ball. A lot of standing around, and that goes back to the lack of off-ball movement emphasized at youth levels that I always talk about and why a lot of players just are statues off the ball, especially when you're playing an offense like the Mavs where you kind of just watch Luka do everything sometimes. But that was it. The Warriors were the better team. And I think a lot of people were getting carried away, though, with this game. As far as what you got to do better if you're the Mavs, you just got to make shots and Luka's got to play better. It's really that simple. Got to be better on defense a little bit, staying in front of the ball. I thought Curry and Jordan Poole and their movement also, you know, it's a different challenge guarding the Warriors offense because as I always say, the Warrior offense is different than any other team's offense. Their movement without the ball, they read and react. It's not the same as just heavy doses of ball screens, you know, high pick and roll, high pick and pop actions. 
like other teams. They play a very unique style, very different, predicated on their instinctive off-ball movement, and Steph Curry sets the tone for that. And with Klay Thompson, it becomes even more lethal, and other people start joining in on that party, as I talked about in the last round with guys like Jordan Poole. You see him, he's picked up on some of those tendencies. So the Warrior offense is very hard to guard. They force you to communicate a lot, and if you switch a lot, which is the counter to it, which the Mavs do, you got to stay in front of the ball, and they got to do a slightly better job of that in Game 2, which I think they will, and I think that the at Game 2 is going to be a really good game. I truly do. I think it's going to be a battle, and I think Luka could easily come back with a big game and win it. So the Warriors got to be on their P's and Q's, but I thought it was a really encouraging first game for the Warriors, much better than a lot of the games they played in the Grizzlies series. Maybe their best game, probably their best game since Game 3 of the Grizzlies series. Definitely, I'd say. But a lot of Warriors fans thinking Warriors in 5, Warriors in 6, I personally don't agree. I think that's getting carried away from Game 1, and I'm going to stick with my guns. Until I'm proven otherwise, I'm going to go with Warriors in 7. I'm not going to doubt Luka's ability, even with this heliocentric offense, to get shit done. And to get three games, I think more likely if I had to lean after game one, it'd say Warriors in six, but I got to stick with my pick. So I'm going to stick with Warriors in seven because I don't waver. Let's read the stat lines, though, for that one before we move on to the Celtics game tonight. For the Mavericks, they shot 11 for 48 from three. So again, I'm just not a fan of teams shooting 40 plus threes when they're bricking left and right. I don't care how many of them are open. You know, I think you got to diversify your shot profile sometimes. And, you know, even if you're not comfortable in the mid-range area or shooting runners or something, switch it up if you're not hitting threes. Try to get to the basket. Try to put pressure on the officials. 14 for 21 from the foul line for Dallas. That's 66%. And Jalen Brunson shooting 2 for 4 and Luka Doncic 5 for 8. That's got to be better. Luka Doncic, you know, overall just didn't have a very efficient night. You know, the Mavs as a team didn't. They shot 36% as a team. Spencer Dinwiddie actually had a decent night. He had 17 points on 5 for 11 shooting, 3 for 7 from deep. But, you know, I'd have to really look back and see how many of those points were in garbage time because, you know, they lost by 25 points. So who cares about decent individual performances if there are any? As I said, Dorian Finney-Smith, two for six from the field, one for three from deep. And then Reggie Bullock, four for 12 from the field, three for 10 from deep, 12 points. Jalen Brunson, six for 16 from the field, 0 for five from three, 14 points, going to need better than that. And then Luka, 20 points only, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 7 turnovers, 6 for 18 shooting. That's only 33%. Only 30% from 3, 3 for 10, and 5 for 8 from the line. So not a great night for Luka. As for the Warriors, as I mentioned, Jordan Poole, 19 points, 8 for 12 shooting. That's 66%. 1 for 4 from 3. He was awesome. Otto Porter, 10 points, 5 of 7. Nobody else on the Warriors bench got more than 12 minutes. The starters... All got 28 minutes or more. Kevon Looney, 5 for 5, 10 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 blocks. He was fantastic. Andrew Wiggins, 19 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, staying efficient as well again. 8 for 17, 3 for 8 from the field. He actually led the dubs in shot attempts. Draymond Green, 10 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block. Only 1 turnover and 4 for 6 from the field. So much better from Draymond. Klay Thompson, 15 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Started to get going a little more in the second half. 7 for 13 in the end. And did not shot Chuck. Did not force it. Only 1 for 4 from 3. So not that many 3-point attempts. And then Steph Curry, 21 points, 12 rebounds. Wow. 4 assists, 6 for 16 shooting, 3 for 9 from deep. So not the best shooting night for Curry, but he was 1 for 6. And then he, after that, he shot... Six for ten, so it he hit it when it mattered. I mean, the early start, especially when your teammates are doing a good job and you're still moving without the ball and doing the right things on the defensive end, doesn't really matter in my eyes. 
as I say, I don't think a missed shot is a missed shot. I really don't. It, I, I think time and place matter a lot in basketball. But that's it for game one. Let's shift gears to the Celtics and the Miami Heat, which was a very different game than um, than game one, <laughs> to say the least. It started with the Celtics getting the good news today that Marcus Smart and Al Horford are back. And that is absolutely huge. And boy, did they make a difference tonight. You get your starting lineup intact. Rob Williams stayed in the starting lineup, though. And you saw the difference they made immediately. The Boston Celtics switching everything except for Rob Williams, who was going in drop coverage. But, you know, outside of the 11, I think they were down 11 to 18 Boston. After that, it was done. Jalen Brown, for once, not, I don't want to say for once, that's an exaggeration, but we've talked about in the lives, me and O the Great, who's supposed to be here tonight, but he, I don't know what happened to him. Maybe he just passed out. Jalen Brown has kind of become a second-half player in these playoffs. I don't know if that's been a thing all season. but And I like second. You know, it's better to be a second-half than a first, but I think that he's good enough to be more effective in the first half as well. And tonight he really set a tone with 11 points in the first quarter. His The first shot he hit was an open three on a beautiful Marcus Smart drive and kick against Jimmy Butler, in fact. And Jalen had 11 points in the first, and three of them were threes. Two of them contested. Jason Tatum was also hitting contested threes in the first half. And that was just kind of backbreaking for Miami because they were giving up open threes and when they played good defense, the Celtics were hitting their contested threes. But I thought Marcus Smart really all game long, despite the fact that he started out for a large stretch of the game shooting the ball poorly, he was a true point guard tonight. He made all the right passes, whether in pick and roll, drive and kick, finding guys cutting, finding guys on the roll, lobs it up, lobbed it up to Rob Williams in the first quarter, I remember. He was just making all the right passes, and he had plenty of assists tonight as to show for it. 12 of them, 24 and 12 to go along with nine rebounds. You already know what he's going to do defensively. He guarded Jimmy Butler, and even though Jimmy Butler still got his 29 points on 11 for 18 shooting, I thought they made it tougher for him. And I thought that the they also kept him off the line a lot more. He shot 18 free throws in game one. He shot eight today. So... Credit to the Celtic defense. Credit to Marcus Smart. You know what Al Horford's going to do. He's going to be he's going to be intelligent. He made made every single shot he took tonight. Four for four, two for two from three. Ten points. Communicates. Is able to switch on to multiple guys. Rob Williams. I thought he had really well timed help. Was active hands. He only played twenty minutes, but in those twenty minutes, he had five points, four boards, three blocks, and a steal. And. You just it's tough when the Celtics start making threes like that. You know, they take a lot of threes to start games that I've talked about with Oh the Great in previous lives. And sometimes I don't like it because it can really take them out of rhythm to start games and put them in a put them into a bit of a hole. But when they're hitting, it's obviously just amazing because they they that lets them set the set up their defense and takes teams out of transition and doesn't let teams develop any momentum. And the Miami Heat were not getting much offensively outside of Jimmy Butler tonight. Max Struess in the first half, he was throwing them up there, threes. He shot two for seven for the game. All of them were threes, but it wasn't the same as, as how he got going in the third quarter last game. I thought the Celtics just were great defensively overall. Doing a good job staying in front of the ball and making the extra pass on def- on offense. You know, the Heat, they when Dwayne Dedman came in for Bam at the end of the first quarter, I thought this is when they started to kind of gain the lead that would that they would you know, sustain the entire game. 
They went up by 11 at the end of the first quarter, Boston, and it was 35-24 after the first quarter, but they were only up by like three points with like two or three minutes left, if I'm not mistaken, and they started hitting threes towards the end of the quarter. You know, the Heat turned the ball over a little bit, and the Celtics were making a play from three. I remember when Dwayne Dedman came in, they were blitzing on pick and rolls, and they got burned twice. So they weren't trusting him to try to switch and stay in front of the ball uh, one-on-one. They weren't trusting him in drop coverage. They blitzed. Celtics were making the right passes. I remember Marcus Smart hit an open three, and then I think Peyton Pritchard hit an open three. And Peyton Pritchard had a good bounce-back game. We talked about him getting attacked in pick and roll, but I thought that he was really solid tonight, and he was attacking. He was making his open threes. He had this one nice shot on Peyton, on uh, Tyler Hero one-on-one. He had 10 points off the bench and on 4-for-8 shooting, and it was plus 39, the highest of any player in the game. Grant Williams also came off the bench, and when he gets in the game with Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart, that everyone can switch on to basically everyone. It is tough against those guys. They're rugged. They're strong. They play physical. And I thought the Celtics just brought the physicality to this heat all night long, the effort level, the energy. They played hungry like they had to win this game, and they blew them out of the water. 35-21 after, uh, in the second quarter. And they rode it home. The Heat made a baby push to cut it from like 23 to 17. Then the Celtics got it up to 30 in the third quarter. Jason Tatum, contested three after contested three. Pull up. You know, Jalen Brown continued to stay aggressive. And Marcus Smart just making all the right plays. It was just a great performance overall by Boston. Defense led to offense on various occasions. And for the Heat, you know, where's your offense going to come from? You know, Tyler Hero's a sixth-man kind of player. He's not going to score 20 every single game. He had 11 points tonight on 5 for 11 shooting. Yeah, he's 0 for 3 from 3. You need a little bit more. But, you know, I'm looking at, you know, Gabe Vincent shot decently tonight. 14 points, 5 for 10 from the field. They were 44% from the field, Miami. But a big reason why they were only 28 or 29% from 3, um, they actually got a 10 for 34 for the numbers. They actually got some decent looks, especially in that stretch where the Celtics went up like 16 in the second quarter. From the end of the first to the middle of the second. They got a lot of good looks that they usually make. It just wasn't falling. And that's the thing. Like Victor Oladipo, for example. He got a lot of decent looks at threes. But he didn't make any of them. And he never got in a rhythm. He was 1 of 5 from 3 and 2 for 8 from the field. So when over 50% of your shots are threes and you're not making any of them really. Easy to get out of rhythm. You know, he still had 14 points because he got to the line 10 times. So that was good. But the Heat starters. You know, Bam Adebayo without Kyle Lowry. He's going to need to be way more aggressive than what he is. Before I get into the specifics with him, P.J. Tucker, five points. I don't think he was great tonight. Jason Tatum was hitting threes in his face, even though he had a hand up. That's not his fault. But what I do think he needs to do a better job of is being more aggressive when he gets those wide-open looks when Rob Williams is playing drop coverage and they pass, make pocket passes to him and he's wide open at the foul line for those little push shots. He traveled one time because he didn't want to take it tonight and a couple times in his in-between game, he doesn't trust it at all. And it's just so disgusting sometimes watching some of these players have no confidence in the in-between game. You know, Al Horford in the second half was literally, I kid you not, wide open at the foul line. Wide open. And just looking around to see what better shot he can get. And eventually after like two seconds, he shot it and made it. And I'm like, oh my God, man. But anyway, Celtics ran away with it. Bam out of bio. Six shot attempts, dude. 50%. I don't give a fuck about your efficiency. He's going back to that efficiency BS with KD and Chris Paul's of the world. Eh, more so Chris Paul than the KD's, but like, dude, or and LeBron's. Come on, man. 
You, I've seen Bam make some tough shots. I've seen him hit a turn turnarounds over his right shoulder. I've seen him make some decent post moves from time to time, time to time. Is he going to develop ever as an offensive scoring threat in terms of like a go-to guy? Because he averages, what, like 18 points a game? Are those all on pick and roll and offensive rebounds and like transition points? Because I think he has the talent. He has the, the body type to, you know, have aspects of a Kevin Garnett or maybe even a C-Webb in him. More so Kevin Garnett because I can see him more of a finesse big man than a power big man. Even though he is strong. But... He seems like he actually has decent fundamentals at times. He just doesn't really go for it. He doesn't like to look to develop it. I feel like he hasn't gotten any better offensively in terms of scoring since, really offensively since 2020, since the year that I was really advocating for him to win most improved. He still should have won over Brandon Ingram. I'll always go with that. Always go to, I'll always stick by that. But he hasn't seemed to improve offensively to me. If, if you're a Heat fan and you think he has, mention in the comments what he's improved on because I'm not seeing it. He's not aggressive enough in terms of scoring. You know, maybe he's improved playmaking a bit, but I remember him being a very solid playmaker and taking that huge leap in the 2020 season. And we saw that in the bubble in their finals run. But that's just not acceptable. And Kyle Lowry, where are you at, bro? Like, this is, you're getting, he's getting paid a lot. Like, he's the third star on this team and they don't, they're not a better team with, Without Kyle Lowry, for sure. I don't think they're a better team with him, but they're not a better team without him. You saw the difference that Marcus Smart and Al Horford made tonight. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they didn't even really need to play in the fourth quarter. They were chilling. So let's read the lines. It was an easy game. The Celtics fans invaded, and you started to hear them saying, let's go Celtics. Uh, It was getting pretty ugly in there for the Heat fans. But 127-102, an absolute blowout Boston response. 25-point win for the two-seed. We got the one in the two-seed in the Eastern Conference this year. So as for the Celtics stat lines, 43s attempted, 20 made, 50% from three. When they shoot 50% from three, you're going to have a lot of trouble beating them. And that's the thing. It took the heat out of transition. They were able to force a lot of turnovers in the third quarter of game one, and that's what got them a lot of easy baskets. But Peyton Pritchard, 10 points, four for eight from the field, two for six from three. He was solid. Grant Williams, 19 points. Five for seven from the field, two for two from three, seven of eight from the line. He was plus 37. And then Jalen Brown, 24 points, very solid night. Had a really nice, um, had some really nice step backs and jumpers. 24 points, eight rebounds for him on nine of 17 shooting and four for seven from deep. So very efficient. Al Horford, 10 points, four of four from the field, three rebounds, three assists. Rob Williams, 5 points, 4 rebounds, 2 for 3 from the field. Jason Tatum, 27 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists. 8 for 13 shooting, 4 for 6 from deep, and 7 for 7 from the line. 3 turnovers, so not as, ba- not, not as bad at all. Only 9 turnovers for the Celtics tonight, so fantastic in that department. And then Marcus Smart, my player of the game, 24 points, 9 rebounds, 12 assists, 3 steals, 1 block, 8 for 22 shooting, 5 for 12 from deep. The thing about Marcus Smart is... That's crazy that he looked so good and he couldn't play two days ago. Like, that's just wild. But he was awesome. Let's go to the Miami Heat stat line now. They turned the ball over 15 times. And it's funny because they had more points in the paint, but it makes sense because the Celtics hit so many threes. Duncan Robinson actually played a little bit tonight, but I think most his uh, he had six points. I think a couple of those were in garbage time, though. Victor Oladipo, as I said, 14 points, but 2 of 8 from the field, 1 of 5 from deep, and 9 nine of his points came from the foul line. 
Tyler Hero, 5 for 11. 0 for 3 from deep, 11 points. Caleb Martin, 7 points, 3 for 8 from the field. They left him wide open for a 3 at one point, and he just bricked it. Max Drews, as I said, 2 for 7 from 3. Those were all the shots he took. Gabe Vincent, 14 points, 5 for 10 from the field, and 4 for 8 from 3. So he actually shot well. As I said with Bam, 6 shots, 3 made. 6 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, no blocks. That's just not going to do it. Jimmy Butler, 29.6 rebounds, 3 assists on 11 for 18 shooting. Only shot 3 threes, made 1, 6 for 8 from the foul line. And then P.J. Tucker, 5 points on 2 for 6 shooting and made his only 3. Good job by the Boston Celtics to limit his 3-point attempts but and run him off the line. But that's it for me tonight, guys. I got nothing else. 1-1 one, one in that series. It's going to be a good one. We've got two blowouts, though, two nights in a row. And then the Heat game was kind of a blowout, so... Second round was really good. That's why I like the second round the best. But we'll see. We'll probably have a better game tomorrow for game two of Mavs and Warriors. Although I don't think I'm going to be live tomorrow. Probably not. Don't count on it. I I hope I'm not, to be honest. But um, we'll be back on Sunday at the latest. Have a good weekend, everybody. Peace out. Now we go to the live subscribers waiting oh so patiently in the chat. Peace out and have a good night.